0: And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the Skype line with us today is Kevin McGarry, and he is president and founder of Every Black Life Matters. Kevin, it's an honor to have you on with us today.
1: Well, thank you, Dan. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: I forget how I found out about your organization, but once I found out about it, I went to your website, checked it out, and I realized we have a lot in common and that is because we love the same Lord Jesus Christ. And first of all, maybe you could tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and uh your Christian walk and all of that.
1: Oh, okay. Great. Yeah, uh, let's let's start there. I was uh, born in uh in Hunters Point in San Francisco, which was a project housing. I was born into abject poverty in the uh, 60s in San Francisco. I uh, lived in the uh that kind of an environment for until I was about uh, my, let's see, my young life um, and moved into a lower middle class neighborhood in San Francisco and went to public school there. And uh, then I uh, uh, graduated uh, high school and went to uh, San Jose State and got a, a sociology degree. So, born in abject poverty, uh, you know, really adopted and embraced uh, leftism and progressivism just because of the environment.
0: Sure. I did sure.
1: all all of the basic, uh, you know, urban life-dwelling, boys-in-the-hood type upbringing uh, that you could imagine. Mm. And then, uh, then I got married, and uh, the Lord really began to deal with me about, uh, all, all all domains of my life, and one of them was the domain of civic engagement. Lifted the veil and allowed me and my wife to see that the way that we were participating, the way that we thought the world uh, should be with left, leftist progressive politics, was really not in a squarely in alignment with uh, with with the Word of God. So we mm-hmm. had to make some adjustments. So it was really like um, you know he lifted the veil and we were allowed to see uh you know really objectively uh, the things that we thought were true and and uh, we thought were noble in, in relation to the party that we used to vote with um, you know all the time and we made some adjustments and from that time i um, began to take my civic engagement seriously i became the president and chairman of the frederick douglas foundation of california and uh, so I'm still the president and chairman of Frederick Douglass Foundation. I'm the um, executive at the Douglass Leadership Institute. And fundamentally, what happened uh, last summer really prompted me to start Every Black Life Matters. And uh, fundamentally, what we saw was uh, outrage and, uh, you, you know, horror of uh, for nine minutes and 40, 45 seconds And the overall sentiment, everybody agreed with, that that black lives do matter and we should do a better job of making sure that every black life is actually representative of actually having mattered. But um, there were a lot of churches and a lot of people of faith that were kind of swept up in the emotion of the moment. And what what, uh, myself and my co-founder realized is that after they actually do a deep dive on BLM, Black Lives Matter, the organization, they're going to want a faithful and righteous alternative, because they're going to see that Black Lives Matter is not only Marxist, but, uh, you know, they ex- express witchcraft and incantations. Um, they are anti-family, anti-man, anti-fatherhood, uh, certainly anti-nuclear family, anti-school choice, uh, anti uh, pretty much anti everything that would be uh, make the, the big difference in, in black life, and so we started every Black Life Matters. We we wanted to stay in the same lane as BLM because we wanted to be the exact alternative to them. So we took all of their primary talking points, we reframed them, and had all of the talking points really more reflective of what a righteous and faithful organization would stand for. So our Primary pillars are uh, we are trying to preserve and support black life from the womb to the tomb, from conception to the Mm. grave, and then every phase of life uh, in between. That would be early childhood development. That would be childhood education. uh, In other words, school choice and parental choice uh, platforms for education. Um, That would be fatherhood initiatives. That would be uh, supporting families that have to endure the uh, gross... um, uh, inequity and grief of having their uh, their children uh, slaughtered um, due to stray bullets, uh, mostly in the summer months, mm. The standing for uh, additional criminal justice reforms. Uh, we have uh, somebody that was installed in the White House right now who actually uh, beat, beat his chest and, and promoted the 1994 uh, crime bill, and uh, that crime bill was... Uh, was atrocious for for black and brown communities. Putting uh, young men behind bars for, you know, a dime bag of weed, you know, $10 Mm -hmm. bag for 25 to life was was not justice. No. So there's additional criminal justice reforms we want to stand for, and then we're, of course, nonviolent. So all those things make a big difference in black life, and uh, we want to stand up for those things.
0: Yeah, I was... um I kind of watched Black Lives Matter from afar and some of the stuff that they did. And it never made sense to me. Why attack businesses, some of which were owned by black folks? And um, like your name says, every black life matters. And if that were really the case, you don't attack their businesses.
1: That's exactly right. We saw burning down. Of mostly, actually, black and brown businesses in these urban areas. Yeah, and uh, we saw BLM and Antifa just whooping it up at the uh, at the carnage. I mean, they would they would throw Molotov cocktails and just have a grand old party uh, at seeing the uh, these businesses go up in flames. And that is not uh, righteous or just. Um, that actually really significantly harms black life. Not only for the business owner, but there's a lot of uh, patrons that go to those businesses that now are going to have to catch two, three buses to get groceries or yes. or get some of the other things in, in life that make life a lot better for them. So um, we needed a, a real faithful alternative. And that's that's why we're here. I mean, uh, some people have have said, you know, why did you have to use any of their name or, you know, try to leverage <laughs> any of the moniker? And, and what I encourage people is to say, look, of course, all lives matter, but you know, saying that will is, is really dismissive, and it, it can get you killed. As we that's right, we saw, we saw one young lady get killed last year because she said that. But here's the problem: it's dismissive because uh, all things are not equal, and so the people that would say, "No, no, 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 all lives matter, everything's equal, all lives," matter. It, it's just, I mean, I understand we would want that. That is a great. Sure. Um, you know, goal for us, but it is not, uh, you know, and and my number one way of of really confirming that is when Margaret Sanger said, look, we want to fully exterminate the Negro population. Wow. She did not say we want to fully exterminate, you know, blacks and Mexicans or or blacks and and Caucasians and, 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 and Mexicans and Asians. She said, we want to fully exterminate the Negro population. And then she started her quest by uh, starting her family planning clinics in mostly urban communities, mostly all black and brown communities. And to this day, her purported clinics, health clinics, are situated up to 90 percent in these urban areas. And she is carrying out her goal, even though she's gone, her organization is carrying out their goal uh, to her exact vision in the sense that blacks disproportionately represent a significant amount of Planned parenthood abortions to this very day
0: that is uh shocking i've heard that um something like that before and it 's really that bad ninety percent urban areas
1: yeah yeah it's uh the their official count is seventy nine percent and that was done a few years ago. It was supposedly their official count but um other official counts uh, that we've done is, is you know, we've heard from others who study the industry. they think it's closer to ninety percent. Oh, it, it's yeah. shocking.
0: It's just shocking. Um, today we're talking with Kevin McGarry and he is president and founder of every Black Life Matters. And um, you've talked to a couple of distinctions. One is your nonviolence stance. Another is your profoundly pro-life what other differences stand out in your mind uh kevin as as you compare the two
1: well we're we're pro anything that will help and support um black life and again we're going after black life not because we're racist or because we're no of course not partial we're going after black life because it has a target on its back yes and Actually, I would say to all of your listeners who, who would purport to say that they're for all lives and all lives matter, I'll give them a powerful analogy to really assess that. If we all lived in one community and all of our houses were equal, let's say they were all tract homes and they were all completely equal, and we all committed within that community that all of our houses mattered, and then one of those houses caught on fire, guess what we would all do because all of our houses matter we would all go out and help put out the fire. Sure. Uh, right now, the black community is on fire in that analogy. And so, of course, all lives matter and all lives should matter because we're all created as one under God. But if we have a community that's on fire, we need to put uh, put put our differences aside and go out and put out the fire. And that's why we're here now. Um, so to your to your question the things that really matter and profoundly make a difference uh, compared to BLM uh, is we're all about fatherhood. It's been mm-hmm. some some data suggests that we can reduce poverty and crime by upwards of 70% if we can at least have fathers remain connected. We understand that it's it's really a pipe dream to, to say that fathers will be a part of a nuclear family of kids that they've started. We have so many, especially black young men and young men in general, who have started multiple families, uh, you know, because of the culture and and all of that subculture. So they have multiple children spread across, you know, uh, communities. And so it's unrealistic to say that, you know, all these fathers are going to be in a nuclear family environment with those children. However, it is not unrealistic To say, look, uh, young man, please remain connected to your children. It makes a profound difference in their ability to understand that they're loved, that they're supported, that they do have a father, and that that father is concerned about their trajectory in life. Now, even if you, as a father, you feel, I don't have my life together and I don't, you know, my kids, uh, I don't want to give them, send the wrong signal guess what? Children learn from our triumphs and our trials. Uh, my father was a runaway alcoholic my entire formative life, young life. Hmm. And it wasn't until I went to college that he he uh, actually stopped drinking. And he and my mother are still married 62 years later. Oh. He'll live in, the, in San Francisco. But I learned profoundly from seeing him, you know, coming in, uh, dragging himself in and we having a Drag him upstairs and and put him to bed because he was you know he was in such bad condition every night um and I committed to myself, I will never ever be a drunk. I saw the devastation right so and and so it was a wonderful uh example of what can happen if we're reckless right with alcohol and et cetera and that's the same message we have for these other young men. look, you don't have to have your life together children learn and absorb based on observation and seeing your triumphs and your trials.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, all of that is important for childhood development. So we just want our men to remain connected to the children because they can make that difference in critical moments when these children have to make uh, critical decisions. So yes. so that's I don't know if that's making sense to you, Dan. It that's makes
0: a lot of sense. Uh, Kevin McGarry is our guest today. And, uh, Kevin, I live closer to, well, I live in the uh, Mid-Hudson Valley of New York State, and one of our coverage areas is Newburgh, New York, and the crime rate is very high in the Newburgh area. And um, I've heard it explained before that some of that is due to the fact that there's so many broken homes where, um, you know, just like you're talking about here, the the father figure is not there in the home for whatever reason he's left. And it just brings, it wreaks havoc on the home when that mm-hmm. happens. It just mm-hmm. destroys the home. So um, us, us dads need to steal our brains <laughs> to the yeah. fact that we must stay with our wife. Um, the going might get rough at times. Yep. Um, it it might, might might crush our pride, and that's a good thing. It needs to be crushed. But yes. we must be faithful to this woman, and we just must be faithful to our children that this woman has borne to us, um, and it's it's so important. Our, yes. our guest today is Kevin McGarry, and he is president and founder of Every Black Life Matters. You know what I like that I heard you say so far is the fact that you're not idealistic uh, you're you're not an idealist and 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 we all have the ideal of course of, of wanting to see Christ make a difference in the person's life, but you also readily admit to the brokenness and you you start where you are and the, the fact is a lot of black communities are broken um yeah. and I think you use the word they're on fire um, Tell us more about your organization and is there any particular, I don't know, like a project or outreach or something that you've done not too long ago that that helped somebody?
1: Excellent, excellent. Yeah, so uh, some of the fundamental areas that are on fire right now in our community and uh, that we all should remain committed to fighting for is uh, we must remain committed to really confirming the white supremacists and the racists in our midst – That would be those who are fully in support of Planned Parenthood as Planned Parenthood disproportionately targets black life. And so your listeners, I know some of them may think, well, it's a woman's choice. And and listen, I gave you the background on Margaret Sanger. (laughs) Uh, I'll I'll give you more on her. She was a uh, she hated blacks. She called us reckless breeders, feeble minded, the scourge of society. She was a woman's KKK leader and speaker, frequent speaker. She was a diehard eugenicist. She actually believed that whites are supreme and that she should do all she can to protect the Aryan race, which is why she hated blacks. And she started her organization with that intent. Mm. So for you moralists who would say, oh, women should have the right to, listen, it is a racist organization and you have to wrestle within yourself. Do you want to continue to support an organization that is disproportionately targeting black life as you supposedly stand for black lives? Mm. You have to make that decision. That is one that we know the devastating effects. We know that they disproportionately target blacks. As a matter of fact, in New York, where you guys are, Dan, um, the there are more black lives aborted than actually born. It's their stat. It's their uh, confirmed uh, statistic.
0: That's shocking.
1: It's shocking, and we should all stand against that. We should all stand against the fact – as a matter of fact, the New York Planned Parenthood, which is one of the largest in the country, came out in July of last year, and they actually confirmed, yes, Margaret Sanger, our founder, was a racist, bigot, and she hated blacks. And And in saying that, they confirm that they're systemically racist. They admitted that they're disproportionately, they have a lot of clinics disproportionately in black communities. Now, some people would say, well, that doesn't really confirm. Here, let me give you some more inconvenient stats. <laughs> um, so blacks make up 13% of the population. Of the 13%, only uh, half of those are women. Uh, and of the six, let's say, or so percent, half of those are childbearing. So you have a, 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 an effective target of a 3% demographic that you have 90, up to 90% of your abortuaries located for a 3% demographic. Wow. The, the actual uh, outcome of that is of all of the abortions across the United States, 40%, um, uh, a little bit over 40% are little black babies. So this is not, oh, women just need a right to choose and, and, you know, it's fine. We're just going, uh, you know, where where the need is. No, this is strategic. It's targeted. It's racist. And uh, the stats prove it. Uh, Here is a another uh, inconvenient truth, uh, Dan. Uh, The fact is, is uh, most of, of the young black girls in these communities are learning from their schools and high schools that uh, abortion is just they're just you know taking out something the size of a pea it's not a big deal and so we have these little black girls that that are having multiple abortions as a way of of doing their uh you know you know basically this is their uh uh, what do you call birth control Mm -hmm. they're using abortion as a way of birth control and so by the time they're 20 22 they may have had up of fifteen to eighteen abortions. Oh. Some of them, some of them have been chemical, uh, but you know, a lot of them have been surgical. And what that means is, when they actually do plan to start a family, there's great, overwhelming difficulty. That's right. and they're not understanding why. Well, their body uh, has gone through so much trauma as a result of all of these exercises of just you know using abortion as contraceptive that they're, you know, they're, 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 they're having great difficulty. Yeah. So, so, and, and, and some people would say, well, I don't know how, I don't understand how they would be targeting. Well, here's the thing. There's huge billboards in and around these planned parenthood and Hood facilities in these urban areas. Now, for those of us who live in suburbia, we may never ever see it, but they actually do target specifically, strategically target uh, young black females to come in and and get their abortion as a way of contraceptive so um, so if you care about black life that 's a fundamental thing that we do so we 're partnered with students for Life and other pro life organizations to make sure that we we stand against this systemic racism and it is folks there is no other definition you can try to you know, equivocate and characterize it some other way in your in your mind. But guess what? It fits the definition. There is no other accurate definition for it. So it is a systemically racist, um, com- uh, a, a specifically racist organization. And we all as anti racists supposedly, we should all be standing against it. That's number one thing that that um, a plight that we're addressing. The other one is the school of choice programs. We're encouraging all of our parents to get involved with um, uh, uh, beating back the scourge of crt critical race theory, yes uh, critical race theory is is really running rampant in our public school systems and in our education curriculum, and it 's actually literally teaching our children to hate one another yes, hate is a learned thing that most people learn over time. it is not something that's innate to human nature. So, uh, and, and what's diabolical and uh, and really uh, crazy and incendiary about critical race theory is they want to teach our children to learn how to a- hate other people strictly based on the color of their skin. Mm. I, I thought we learned some valuable lessons within the 1964 Civil Rights Act and and Dr. Martin Luther King uh, admonishing and encouraging us that we should view one another based on the content of character and not the color of skin. Yes, now we want to go back to viewing one another on the color of skin i would encourage all of your listeners to recognize that every black life matters has an initiative off of our website go to our website you go to our resource page you'll have access to uh letter campaigns that letters are already pre-written they're ready to go all you have to do is put your name on it you'll be able to send it to your your city council your school members uh, school board members, your state uh, representatives, your federal representatives they're already pre templated with all of the talking points and you can add more if you want, but it gives you a huge head start on your uh, as a concerned parent uh, as a uh, as a activist uh, parent or organizations please go there and just download those those pre templated letters ready to go so we are we're beating back critical race theory as a way to really help. Uh, unify the races, as opposed to further divide us. The other thing that we've done recently is we've actually been feeding the poor. In Tampa last month, we partnered with Savory Butcher. Savory Butcher is one of the, 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 the primary um, uh, sort of meat producers that is delivering fresh meats, and I mean fresh, like within uh, the past forty-eight hours, uh, mm. the, the animal has been slaughtered and the meat's ready. Very good. And processed. And we're delivering that those fresh meats to food deserts. And uh, we were in Tampa a month or so ago and delivered fresh chicken and steaks and, and uh, great meats for those communities in, in the greater Tampa area who had been disproportionately affected via COVID and uh, are, you know, actually classified as a food desert. We delivered thousands of pounds of meat to them uh, so we can make those lives better. So we're doing whatever we can uh, Whatever is viable based upon our donor base to go out and actually do the work. We're positioning ourselves and we are ready to actually help families this summer as those children are mercilessly slaughtered via stray bullets in our highly concentrated urbanized areas. Uh, we're ready to come alongside of those families and provide them immediate financial support to put uh, to help with the, bury those babies with dignity even oh. though they're slaughtered by stray bullets. Well, I'll tell you,
0: this, this is amazing. I, I interrupted you, but you really struck struck a, a chord there in my heart. Today we're talking with Kevin McGarry. Uh, suppose somebody would like to help you out. Your website is everyblm.com. Is that correct?
1: That is correct. Everyblm.com. Everyblm.com. You can go there and you could donate and come alongside of us as we really try to, to help support black life. We are all about black life. I am an IT executive and an entrepreneur. We're not in this to, you know, get mansions like BLMers. That's are. right. Uh, we're in this to actually make a difference. Uh, we see the the disproportional scourge and the carnage in our in the black community. Amen. And because it's on fire, we want to stand up for those lives. So if you want to come alongside, please help us.
0: Yes. So, folks, this is a this is a good cause. Every The gentleman's name on the Skype line today is Kevin McGarry. He's the president and founder, and this is a safe group to support. Kevin, God bless you, my friend. Thank you very much for joining us today.
1: God bless you. Thank you so much, Stan, for having me.
0: (laughs) Dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer.